a playlist original. Hello and welcome back to Queer We Go. This past month has seen some phenomenal culture come out of and about the place I call home, London. But another common theme has fascinated me, how in this city, our queer families, our spaces and our culture ever evolving, post-internet, post-gentrification, sigh, and even post-COVID. And while it's vital to remember what came before, I can't wait to see what beautiful diverse spaces, virtual or otherwise, our community builds out of the rubble. In the meantime, support your local queer venues. Art. My art highlight of the month is the Instagram account Black and Gay Back in the Day, a digital archive of photographs which documents Britain's black queer history, set up by Jason Okandaye, 24, and Mark Thompson, 51. They wanted to celebrate and preserve the memories of the ordinary people who helped build Britain's black LGBTQ plus communities pre-2000 in the days before digital visibility. This bid to recenter the intersection of the black and LGBTQ plus communities was partly inspired by Marlon Riggs's seminal film, Tongues Untied, which I also highly recommend. I love the insight the archive gives into the history of London's nightlife. The first image the pair posted was of Mark with his first love, Brad, who met at Nwangi, a black gay club night at the Market Tavern pub in Vauxhall, which has since been demolished to make way for the new US embassy building. Another picture shows the Vox in Brixton, a black queer-run nightclub which the creators say lit the fuse for the rich black LGBTQ plus party scene we have today. While elsewhere, Ayn Bailey and DJ Marilyn are shown at the launch of their Precious Brown Black Queer Women's Night held at Candy Bar in Soho in 1997, a rare event then if ever there was one. The photographs also affirm the city's place in activism and those who fought to raise their voices against the mainstream. Take the picture of members of the Black Lesbian and Gay Centre marching against Section 28 in the late 1980s in Harringay, for instance or that of Ted Brown in the early 1970s, paving the way for black queer journalists. The beauty of these images lies in their intimacy. They're not staged. The one that catches me in the back of my throat is of Patrick Liverpool, who took in many black gay men who needed food, safety and shelter, sitting on a wall in Brixton, a peaceful smile on his lips. It's all a reminder that art is a key part of remembrance, much like the recent announcement of London's first AIDS memorial to be unveiled on Tottenham Court Road, a sculpture called Tree of Resilience, Resistance and Resonance. I challenge you to find a more meaningful, wonderful intergenerational dialogue. Books. And speaking of photography, Aleem Karaj's much-anticipated book, Queer London, A Guide to the City's LGBTQ Plus Past and Present, complete with Tim Body's gorgeous pictures of London icons such as Gaze the Word Bookshop and the Hampstead Heath Swimming Ponds, made all the more powerful by being taken during summer 2020 as the city awoke from its first lockdown, is finally out. It's an introduction to the city, and yes, not just Soho, through a queer lens, and features some wonderful pieces on influential queer Londoners too. In terms of the history the book offers, I was thrilled to learn about the drag balls at Porchester Hall. It sounds so goddamn British people sitting around in what looked like a school hall, smoking and drinking pints of ale. The people who attended, travelling from all over the country, were sort of white van drivers who would get changed in the bog, a makeshift little catwalk that wasn't really a catwalk. The prizes included cash sums of £20 or a weekend in a caravan, for instance. Of course, the scene the book focuses on has changed. 
In the last decade or so, nearly 60% of all LGBTQ venues have closed down, from bars and clubs to saunas and sex shops. But the book goes beyond that, looking to community organisations, activist groups, lesbians and gay support the migrants as a personal favourite, health services, art collectives and charities that keep the spirit of queer London alive. Alim has expressed his desire for the city to branch out from the cis, white, gay male spaces that dominate the scene, and organisations such as Queer House Party, which arose out of the pandemic, give me hope that his wish will come true. All of this makes me excited for the prospect of House of Pride's new queer female and non-binary venue. Its survey about what the community wants the space to look like closes on April 22nd, so what are you waiting for? Music. And when we finally get the chance to step on the dance floor at queer clubs again, we're going to need some great tunes to go with it. Step forward Londoner Billy Cullen, who happens to play Hector in It's a Sin, and has starred in many West End shows too. Whose single Kiss Away is the perfect gay pop bop. Of the song, he says, This is the first time I'm embracing my queerness in my music, so it feels a little special. The video features him dancing with his It's a Sin co-star Amari Douglas, aka Roscoe, and it's gorgeous. His next song, Hard Heart Work, will be out next month, and I can't wait to add it to the Queer We Go playlist. For now, his kiss away. The boy is mine. He took my hand and it was dynamite. He made me smile. He comforted me into the lonely night. But he didn't back down when he bang, bang, bang on my bedroom door and when he made a stand He took away the bang bang bangs From my memories And that's when I took his hand And he told me Oh, I'll never let you go I wanna be your Oreo Be with you until I'm old A kiss away from you Promise me you'll never leave Be the one, the one for me Take away the misery A kiss away from you Bang, bang A kiss away from you Bang, bang The boy and I The king of my castle and my crib tonight He blew my mind With every touch he sparked a fire So 
film. The end of March saw the first online-only iteration of BFI Flare, London's LGBTQ plus film festival. The highlight for me was Rebel Dykes, a documentary on the relatively untold story of a gang of punk feminist lesbians in 1980s London. This chosen family, who first met at the women's nuclear protest camp at Greenham Common, helped change the city and the world for people like me. They fought against Thatcherism, prejudice and inequality in all its forms. And at a time when transphobia, racism and abuse of police power is on the rise, with COVID understandably endangering activism and the protests that do occur being broken up, this film gives me hope. Much like the recent Kill the Bill solidarity picnic against a law set to increase police powers. You recall the stories of the rebel dykes who changed themselves to the BBC News desk and abseiled into Parliament to protest Section 28, or those who stood shoulder to shoulder with AIDS organisation ACT UP, and you think of what needs to be done now. In the film, Stowell co-founder Lisa Power says, we've gone so far into the mainstream now that we're losing all our sharp edges, but I don't think that's true. We know what fires we still need to start. Like Black and Gay back in the day, and even, to an extent, the book Queer London, this film, with its mix of found footage and animation, they didn't have enough raw material for a feature-length documentary, is, in part, an archive of London nightlife. Queer venues weren't as explicit as they are today. Many had blocked-out windows. So to find out where the dyke bars were, you could call up the lesbian line phone line. But as rebel dyke Debbie Smith says in the film, there weren't many spaces for lesbians, and the few that did exist were often viewed as inaccessible for the working classes. So the rebel dykes created their own community spaces, squatting in Brixton, making art and music and motorcycle gangs, and carving out a home for themselves in a city that wanted nothing to do with them, paving the way for those to come. They even started their own trans-inclusive S&M club night, Chain Reaction, in 1987 at the Old Market Tavern in Vauxhall, but it was stormed by a group of lesbian feminists who thought it was misogynistic. They say history is doomed to repeat itself, and I smell an echo of the turf divide. It's a thrill to see sex-positive lesbians embracing desire on screen, something that feels very rare, and comparing the late 80s, early 90s lesbian magazine Quim with the magazines LGBTQ plus women and non-binary people have now, I remember hiding my first copy of Diva magazine under my bed as if it were a copy of Playboy. It's a treat. The documentary has been years in the making, first previewing at Flair in 2016, and I'm so excited for its release this summer. In the meantime, catch Rebel Dykes, a conversation on BFI Flair's YouTube channel with co-directors Harry Shanahan and Sean Williams and Rebel Dyke Atalanta Koenig. An honourable mention also goes to Flair's Green Talk with Russell Tovey, who discusses his acting career, his art podcast Talk Art, soon to be released as a book. Typecasting, queer touchstones, possibility models, his experience of coming out in the industry, and how impacted he was by the unhappy ending of his Angels in America character Joe Pitt. His expression of the fear and exhilaration of seeing yourself on screen for the first time is particularly moving. He will soon be starring in Nick Payne's award-winning play Constellations at London's Vaudeville Theatre with the aforementioned Amari Douglas as a gay iteration of the couple Marianne and Roland. There will be four casts for this production, the other three are straight and cisgender pairings, and there's been a lot of talk about how we should have additional queer representation. A trans couple, a lesbian couple, a non-binary couple for instance. And I agree, but I'm still excited to see another queer story on stage. Theatre. 
That leads me nicely onto King's Head Theatre's newly launched Plays on Film season. The King's Head Pub Theatre, founded in 1970, is a mainstay of the UK queer theatre scene, with its annual queer seasons and artistic directors who are always keen to centre LGBTQ plus stories and talent. It's so exciting to see it get a wider reach with its first ever digital season, which contains five shows already critically acclaimed during previous runs, specially filmed by Shoot Media at the theatre itself. The best news, its on-demand platform, KHTV, can be accessed from anywhere in the world, and more than 50% of the value of a ticket for any show will go directly to the artists and companies involved, which is vital at a time when freelancers across the industry are struggling. I'm most excited about seeing Flight and Hope's production of Vespertilio again. Barry McStay's play, inspired by the true story of the last greater mouse-eared bat living in Britain, follows the romance between bat enthusiast Alan and charming runaway Josh. It's a heart-rending story about loneliness and unlikely connections that, for a play about bats, is surprisingly full of twists and turns. When I saw the original Vault Festival production, I was struck by the chemistry between actors Joshua Oakes Rogers and Benedict Salter, and Lucy Jane Atkinson's direction, which brings their tender relationship to life. It's worth watching for that alone. It'll be streaming until May the 5th. Another highlight is sure to be Minerva Productions' Sacrament, written and performed by Lee Douglas. Set in a university town in the early 2010s, it sees a young Irish Catholic woman start to question her sexuality, as her lesbian friend Sophie sets her heart aflutter, throwing her faith into chaos. The poignant yet funny play, directed by Fiona Kingwell, asks whether it's possible to reconcile religion and sexuality. It'll be available from April 22nd to May 12th. <coughs> TV. London-based comedian Rosie Jones's Trip Hazard, My Great British Adventure, a travel show for the lockdown era, narrated by Olivia Colman, who calls Jones a disabled northern Joanna Lumley, recently debuted, and by golly it's glorious. The first episode sees Rosie and her guest, Gogglebox star Scarlett Moffat, whose geography, it turns out, is even worse than mine. She thought Cumbria was in Yorkshire. Visit the Lake District. The gayest moment comes when Rosie reads out the poem she's written at Wordsworth's Dove Cottage. Trees, green, tall, woman, blonde, woman, boobs, 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 Jodie Comer. The Wordsworth expert says the repetition works in the poem's favour, and I have to agree, she's clearly a literary genius. Rosie pokes fun at her diversity box-ticking skills via Rachel Stubbings' appearance as Channel 4 Commissioner Saskia, who tells Rosie, You're very good for us. You tick a lot of boxes. Woman, disabled, gay, northern. And there's also an excellent cameo from Tom Allen, whose LGBT podcast with fellow comic Susie Ruffle, Like-Minded Friends, is worth a listen. Rosie's one-liners are on point, and the crude levels rise when she makes sausages with a food historian for the mayor of Kendall. My favourite tip? Always be wet when you handle the meat. You can catch all four episodes on all four. Comedy. And if that gets you in the mood for comedy, Country Mel Comedy Club is returning to the Star of King's Pub in London's King's Cross next month to raise money for food charity Fair Share with some stellar and pretty queer lineups. So much so that I'm bound to run out of breath saying this. Stars include my episode two guest Jen Ives, Jessica Foster Q, Sarah Keyworth, Thania Moore, Heidi Regan, Chloe Petz, Mae Martin, Anya Magliano, Susie Ruffle, Charlie George, Shelf, Rosie Jones, Leah Reich, Stephen Bailey and Fern Brady. 
Tickets have flown out the door, but keep an eye out for returns, especially if social distancing ends at the end of June and further announcements. That's all we've got time for today, but as always, stay here, stay queer, and I'll catch you next time.